to repopulate what's called Judea and Samaria. And I'm certainly not a Zionist who is willing to turn away from acknowledging the scale of suffering that has befallen the Palestinians. You're not prepared to justify the preservation of Israel as a Jewish state at all costs? Well, it depends what you mean by all costs. I No, I'm in favor of the perpetuation of Israel as a Jewish democracy. Yes, I am. As a Jewish democracy, those two words really do, it's very important those go together. Israel will not be Israel if it becomes a theocracy, but I'm really absolutely positive it won't be because more than half the population are not predisposed to that. And it won't be a Jewish democracy if it annexes the whole of the West Bank and, you know, treats the Palestinians as a colonized, voteless class. Do you think it is is a Jewish democracy at the moment? Yes, I do, absolutely. I want to talk a bit more about Simon Sharma. Who is Simon Sharma? Uh, (laughs) When I last checked, you know, (laughs) he's an elderly writer about the past, really. In order to find the key to that answer I I want to go back to your childhood briefly what was your childhood like you talked about being aware of being Jewish quite early but more widely what was it like well it was post-war and I remember reading Tony Jutt's fantastically you know extraordinary kind of magnum opus called post-war which was full of ruins and but uh, and I remember London in the ruins because my dad used to take me as I said we lived by the sea for a bit during one of my father's relatively well-off periods he was a textile merchant with a very erratic history of business success and business failure. So he used to take me in, but we had kind of playtime in the ruins. I used to kick footballs around in the ruins of bombed-out buildings in, in the city and the East End and be pulled off them by indignant coppers. And my father, my father and mother were both rather wonderfully raucous. They were not. A lot of life in Britain in the late 40s and early 50s was very greyish. It was sort of inward. You, you Matt, would not recognize London. Nobody went out on the streets there. It was sort of full of kind of glowing lamps and steaming bowls of porridge and indeterminately brown-colored soups. And it was, it was reassuring. It was, in a way, we were still living in a kind of shelter of Britishness, which was was comforting. There was, you know, cricket and there were sort of tweedy programs on um, comedy programs on the radio, much binding on the marsh. And there was children's hour, hello children everywhere. Did growing up in the ashes of the Second World War inspire you in some way well, to become it made, a historian? It made, yes. I mean, when I say my, my parents were raucous, these are two people who used to sing numbers from Rogers and Hammerstein over breakfast when I was sort of six, seven years old, whether you wanted them to or not. And there was something richly overcoloured about my father used to read Dickens to us out loud after supper in the evening. So you had Broadway in the morning and Dickens in the evening. So you had this extraordinary sense of reaching for the noisy richness of life amidst all that quiet snail-like curled up coziness and that that did yeah i mean said i wanted to live in the richness of the past i guess why did you fall in love with history was there a moment when you fell in love with history and and can you describe to us that moment of transition when simon sharma did become a historian was that before cambridge during cambridge oh oh, no no i mean it was as a child i mean i read i'm I'm one of the few people probably including conan doyle who wrote them who read conan doyle's historical novels as well as sherlock holmes i read scott actually you know i love quentin durwood again bizarre i read every historical novel i could lay my hands on 
But it was also, again, you know, remember walking around Corfe Castle, another set of blackened ruins, this time Civil War ruins with my dad. And there was the sense that both British and Jewish history were full of these many generations. So when you were living in this kind of truncated world that the 40s and 50s were, historians, really great historians, are greedy for the company of many, many generations. And I felt that very early on, that if you were lucky, you could keep company with people from hundreds of years ago. And Cambridge in the in the 1960s, what sort of impact did that have on you? How did it form you? How did it mould you? Well, I really had, I mean, I'd been larking around the world a bit. We didn't call it a gap year between school and college. And therefore, Cambridge was both wonderful, but it also was, it was more startlingly public school, actually, than I anticipated it would be. Not my own college, but other aspects of it were a bit more patrician. And I didn't face any anti-Semitism.